Descent into Dread Volume 1, Skater XL, and Targi the Expansion. This is staying in. Uh, Pete, can I ask, um, have you managed to spend it all yet? Oh, you... Spend what? Um, Chris. Look, uh, oh, right, okay, Dan, you missed out on this, right? So, well, can I can I be in control of the story up to up to a place, and then I'll yeah. I mean, I mean, it feels like you being in control, you being in control is a, is sometimes dangerous. But yeah, we'll allow it. Let's go. Let's go for it. Okay, okay, Sam. Sam, paint me a picture with your imagination brush. So yesterday, uh, Chris and Pete got together to play some games, some Ghost Recon Wildlands. Mm, and mm. Uh, even though I was free that evening, um, had a pretty tough day at work. Wasn't really feeling like actually getting involved with the play but i still wanted to be involved with the chat so i hopped on the party got myself a drink and i thought oh this is this is something i've not used ever on the playstation and i pressed the share play button and so i sent a little invite to pete to say can i watch you play your game so pete accepted uh (laughs) in hindsight (laughs) i probably shouldn't have yeah so pete accepted and Within a couple of seconds, and I was actually amazed that it really worked. And I was it's able. It's really to, good. It's really good. I was able yeah. to watch Pete playing with Chris, and then chat with them on the party. So I could. I was basically like, you know, it, watching it was like, a, tw- a Twitch stream or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say it's like a personal Twitch stream, isn't it? Yeah, and it was really good, and it suited the mood for that moment. And about after about an hour, Pete was like, uh, "See how I'm shifting the blame here." Pete was like, oh, I wonder what this does. And he pressed a button and then a notification flashed up on my screen, which said, you are now in control. And suddenly I was in control of Pete's character and avatar in Ghost Recon's Wildlands. So immediately what I did was menu, edit appearance. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. Yeah, and so uh, I gave Pete's character a new uh, a new T-shirt, which has like, yeah. which is called like, oh Mondays, and it's got like a croissant <laughs> and a coffee on it, and it's gave, very, it's a very, very nice T-shirt, I'll tell you that. And uh, gave him some some bright blue denim jeans, mm. and then jokingly, we all thought, <laughs> surely this wouldn't let me allow, surely this wouldn't let me buy some stuff using your account, would it? <laughs> would it? <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> a few menus later, and Pete's watching all of this. While I was going to say, why? It. I was about to say, why is Pete? I'm assuming at this point, Pete can't <laughs> like grab hold of his play back. Yeah, I mean, so I could, but here's the thing: I was pouring myself another drink, and meanwhile, I'd cleaned out an entire village, and freed some mercenaries, <laughs> got some skill points, and Pete was just yeah. Luckily, luckily, so. So then, so there Pete and I were on the now Ubisoft Ghost Recon Wildlands store. Uh, maybe fortuitously for Pete, Pete was like, oh, go to the limited time offers pa- um, tab of the menu. So I went to the limited time offers and I was like, oh, this is crazy. Like, this is letting me get much further on in these menus than I thought it would be. So I had a look at the offers and there was like everything from a one ninety nine bag of, of credit to spend in the game up to a £40 a bag of credit to to spend oh, in the game. Oh my goodness! And it was at that point that I thought, huh, maybe like how much? How? Mm, yeah. So so I kind of like pressed OK on the forty pound one just to like, and then I thought, no 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 no, like I I like this 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 feels <laughs> wrong. I've gone too far, Pete. Back to you. Back to your control. 
So, so the the so slight wrinkle on that. The uh, the at the point the the point at which control was handed back to me was the point at which the 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 PlayStation said, "Hold on a second. The person who is not in who's not the account owner is attempting to purchase something." It then handed the controls back to me. Right. So so Sam didn't purchase anything. He got up to purchasing, and it was like. Is this really something you want to do? Hands it straight, like, and it then hands straight over. That to sounds me. sensible. That sounds like Seemed because very yeah. sensible of Sony to allow for this. We're very, very sensible. Um, now I want to just shift back now two or three years of development time because in <laughs> Ubisoft's infinite wisdom, and you know they're a very smart bunch. Um, you know, um, well. <laughs> Well, you know what? Let's not talk about that. So no. they, they, they are they, when they were making the seven out of ten cover-based shooter, uh, 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 Wildlands. They accidentally, or purposefully, who knows, um, decided that when you entered into looking at their UPlay like account stuff. So this isn't the shop itself. They will, without telling you, and I would argue antithetically, um, swap the cross button which means advance, with the circle button, which means back. So on PlayStation, you, most of the time you hit circle to go back, X to go forward, yeah. cross to go forward. Um, on Uplay, they just swap that round. And that's not like a choice. They just do it, right? <laughs> they also mislabel it. So it still says cross to go forward, circle to go back, right? And that's on their Uplay thing. Um, it also turns out that that also applies to confirming purchases and only confirming purchases so you can get all the way up to do you want to make this purchase and then at the point you say no is the point at which they've swapped the buttons around and you go accidentally yes and it was like and so little <laughs> wow. little little spinny button in the bottom right hand corner and i was like this is taking an awful long time for no <laughs> and uh, i was like I just and I thought things had just gone wrong. Picked up my phone and there's a lovely email from PayPal saying, "Thanks very much. We've just charged your account 39.99 and you're the uh, you're the proud owner of 15,000 who gives a toss credits." <laughs> so 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 and this is the thing. So I was like I was like, have I just accidentally purchased PlayStation credit? Oh, no, 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 no. I've purchased £40 of in-app credit for a very fun, very fun, uh, absolutely. Uh, no, 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 no qualms on the actual shooting and running around and stuff, but a very middle-of-the-line three-year-old game. And just to be clear, I spent £20 on Ghost Recon Wildlands. I bought it brand new. I have, I have trebled the cost of my investment by a single user experience design decision. So, <laughs> so, so we were sat there like, we were sat there like, all of us were like, we, how, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, like you know, because honestly, you you end up in that situation, and you just sort of think that is either the most evil or the smartest, Aww. like UI design change. Like it is da danger, danger, Why? danger, and it was a really big set of like. So I also didn't have um. It uh, I, I believe Sony automatically turns off the request request password when at payment. So like it just went through. 
like uh, yeah, really, really like. So uh, I've put in a I've put in a refund request. This situation, I know we spoke about it in a previous pod, but it's not been too long since our trip to Budapest, where a similar thing happened to you, where you couldn't work out how <laughs> the cash point would work. And I just used it. I had no problems. You know, I can't speak Hungarian. <laughs> all right. But, oh, okay, all done. But apparently for you... Show off. <laughs> uh, which meant that, like, literally 24 hours before we were leaving Hungary and heading mm. back home... Which, which, which just, to be, just to give clarification, doesn't use the euro. It uses their own specific currency, which is used in their con- country. It's yeah. like if Ubisoft was a nation state. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, the conversion rate is quite similar. Where forty pounds gets you about one hundred and thirteen thousand Hungarian. Um, yeah, yeah. And I just remember, I just remember you getting really annoyed and perplexed at this hole in the wall, just tapping buttons randomly, and then was it like how how much was it? It was like one hundred and twenty quid's two, worth. Two hundred was it? Two hundred quid. It was. It was about two hundred quid. Two hundred quid's worth of Hungarian yeah. currency. And- and like it's, you know, it, hun- yeah. Hungary is, and, and just to be clear, Hungary is an absolutely beautiful place. It's one of my favourite places if, in the if world. You, if you want to eat, if you want to live, like general living standards are fairly cheap. So it's actually really quite difficult to spend two hundred pounds <laughs> in a day. Like it's actually quite hard. Uh, just um, to let you know that at current exchange rate, that's seventy six thousand Hungarian forints. Yeah, yeah. It took about half an hour to come out of the machine. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm gonna I'm I, so I've put in I've put in for a refund, uh, um, and I've been I've been accelerated. Just to give you an update, I have been accelerated to the special cases team. <laughs> oh my god! Which I was like, oh no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Honestly, I I feel so like last night I went to bed and I told Lisa about it and she found it hilarious and yeah. everyone else seemingly found it hilarious. I just feel absolutely. Part part of me is mortified. Another part of me is just like, oh, imagine we've done that on GTA where it's like 150 quid or something oh, like that. Like, yeah. Oh, like I got, some... believe you me, I got off. I got off lightly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So so basically, next hopefully by the time we record another podcast, I'll be able to give an update and I'll be able to say whether or not whether or not I got my money back or if I got PlayStation credit or if I've just bought the most expensive hat. In uh, Tom Clancy's Wildlands. So you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna share it with us. We're not all gonna be fully kitted out in like matching I uniforms. I would love to if I could, but can you not gift things? I don't think you can. No, I just imagine there's some there's some accountants in France who are just like, who is this guy and why is he spending forty quid on a three year old game? Like, like, just oh. it's like alarms gone off. Like lads, there someone's someone's doing it. Yeah. Someone's doing someone's it. Someone's doing it. We yeah. knew this. We knew this deal was going to catch someone. Uh. Other exciting things that have happened uh, recently in the world of video games. Uh, <laughs> top class. Do you know what? I genuinely, genuinely, uh, you have to, you have to look on the, um, you have to look on the bright side of everything that's happening this year, and it's been, it's been, a, it's been a weird one. But the good thing, the good thing. Mm. is that the extreme sports games are back and i cannot <laughs> believe it like last year last year i'm taking my glasses off because i'm just i'm i need to make points um okay with your glasses with my glasses hold on if i do this it'll make me look very i mean obviously are you going to use here, them but... as like as an extension 
Mm. Yeah, an extension yeah, yeah. of my hand, just, as if to yeah. say, now listen here, this mm. is why the Tony Hawk's reboots will be good this time. Um, <laughs> the um, So uh, there's, um, there's obviously the Tony Hawk's reboots coming out, and uh, yes, I have pre-ordered them. Uh, Skater XL, which I bought last year, uh, and I'll talk about it in a second, is coming out of early access into full release and coming out on consoles. And yes, I've pre-ordered it, I've double-dipped, I've pre-ordered it again on PlayStation 4. I've just pre-ordered Descenders from uh, my old uh, my old boss, uh, uh, Mike Rose, over, who's over at uh, Runs No More Robots, which is a downhill procedural uh, mountain biking game. Skate 4. Skate mm. 4. Well, mm. Mm, well, we think maybe. Maybe think Skate 4. The, the it team might be. behind it have been asked to do something. The, the, so some members of the team yes. have been asked back because that studio is long disbanded and there was a horrible, horrible rumour that there was a, a, a skate mobile, free-to-play mobile game in the works as well. And if this is that, then this is poorly chosen EA. Like, this is not the way to announce, like, we're doing skate again! And it's like a free-to-play, I don't know, like Candy Crush clone or something. No, 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 no. But possibly Skate 4 or a Skate reboot or a, a Skate collection. And these guys and girls over at team reptile are making a game called bomb rush Cyberfunk, which is a jet set radio like mm. spiritual sequel like this is the space this is just 2020 like honestly like this is i i, I have a horrible feeling that i might have caused all the bad stuff in 2020 because at the end of 2019 i was like fingers crossed wish upon a star i'd really like some extreme sports games to come back and it's it's almost like things just went too far because like there are so many options here of all of this stuff coming out like it is amazing because and the reason i'm so excited is extreme sports games are genuinely one of my absolute favorite genres of video games i love them and i know you're you're the same son well right? yeah but not to not to quite a degree and also i've got to kind of keep 40 quid in my back pocket just in case just yeah. in case you never know, that's, and, and, tr- and trusting Pete, he'll he'll, he'll accommodate. For, he'll ask you to accommodate for inflation, Sam. So. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. They got back to me, and, and yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've got, yeah, I've no, got to hire so a solicitor, and <laughs> <laughs> just to feed this extreme sports habit. Exactly. Um, but but um, one of I think for quite a lot of people our age, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater oh, was yeah. you know the seminal sort mm. of one of the seminal games of the PlayStation around that time. Mm. That soundtrack, yeah. those levels. Uh, my brother was probably, is is more of an extreme sports fan than I am, right. both in terms of uh, both video games and actually like in real life, like right. he rollerbladed, BMXed, skateboarded. Mm. Uh, me and him used to stay up late to watch like X Games reruns on Channel 4 That's cool. 5. I remember we taped Tony Hawk's 900 and we used to like play and watch it together. Yeah. Um, like just over and over and over. And also we used to have like promo videos that were done by like skate companies like Puberty and um, like, you know, with like no effects um, oh. sort of like soundtracks and all this oh. and all this kind of stuff. So, so yeah, it's like a massive part of, of yeah. like, my childhood especially like my memories with my brother are like engaging in like extreme sports and he was always like a better than me and i was whenever he got like a new pair of rollerblades like i would always get his hand-me-downs yeah but i'm skeptical about the tony hawks thing only because i've been burnt so many times mm. and i wonder how much it's going to be a bit like the crash bandicoot 
remake, which is kind of yeah. like just feasting off nostalgia rather than actually making something like worthwhile. I can, I, I, I can appreciate that. I think I think mm-hmm. like the just on that like trailer reveal and stuff like that. I thought they were really smart in that they they were very quick to compare the original visuals and the 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 follow-up and basically say Mm -hmm. look we're trying to make this as close as possible the fact that they went back and re-licensed all the old music the fact that like that they're like it's tony hawks one and two and that and it's not it's like that is a very weirdly that's quite a bold statement of like yeah yeah yeah, like three's very good uh i know people who make an argument for thug being the best one they're (laughs) wrong but that's fine like you know there's a bunch of good ones but there is with those first two there is definitely a that is like a, a sort of generation of of Tony Hawks that people really really you know like uh, have fun feelings for you know playing uh, horse you know long into the night for example or, uh, or or whatever but but yeah you're right like like those games were like they were super founda- like foundational for all the music yeah. I listen to like honestly like without them like I, I really don't feel you know they those games are to blame for who I am basically which is you know yeah. a good a and, good thing or a bad thing and, and I think the other reason I'm skeptical about tony hawks in general is that for me playing those games like how how i experienced them was always in line with like my natural curve in terms of like Mm. my exposure to this world and also my ability as a game player so tony hawks actually most people may have forgotten that it actually was just basically like an arcade game it was like very much like not reflective of real life skateboarding it was all it was pretty similar to like playing something like street fighter or tekken like it's about it's it's a platformer honestly it's a platformer and remembering combos and keeping things linked together like Mm. that was a skill and then as i got older like my brother very quickly moved from tony hawks on into like thrasher skate and destroy which had a bit more of a in terms of a soundtrack like that soundtrack is is i find like immensely still um, good yeah, it still still holds up. And then, like, obviously, as technically I got better at playing games and the games got better at technically representing what skating was, mm. I think that's why I find, and I'm sceptical about Tony Hawk's, is that that feeling of what I always wanted from that game, which was that feeling of, like, the freedom of exploration, like being on a skateboard gives you. And yeah. that's why I love the skate series so much because you got the soundtrack but you also got the mechanical Mm. um thrill of um exploring a space exploring an open world essentially and being able to find those lines within it and also being able to share that with another player so Mm. like i feel like going back to that tony hawk's game will be very dissatisfying because mechanically i think it will feel outdated and i Mm. think it will just expose it for its flaws rather than like actually what it captured at the time well we'll have to f- see about that one mm. uh, i am more i went back and played thps2 and it was still good so and that was like literally the other day so i was like i've got i've got high hopes surely they won't mess it up this time guys uh, i'm i'm genuinely gen- genuinely genuinely hopeful but the skate games i completely agree with you like it, it was a very different feeling it was definitely more like a a, a mental leap from thrasher rather than tony hawks right like yes. and so then obviously the skate games came along and you and I played those a lot, uh, like a lot, a lot. And then three came out and it didn't do very well because, I mean, the first two didn't do very well either. And, and three did fine, but it didn't do gangbusters. And that's what that's what Electronic Arts 
one. works on. Yeah, they they you know they don't want to take the big risk of a flop. They want they want to they want gangbusters. They want your your, your Star Warses and your um, and your Fifas. They don't want your syndicates and your skates. So there was this big sort of gap in the market where there was a bunch of people who really love these games, but not enough for a big company to go ahead and do them. Hmm. And thank you to the indie game scene. The indie game scene came along and provided not one but two alternatives. And the first was Session. I didn't. I played the the sort of like early 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 demo event. I, I really didn't like it. And uh, and then Skater XL came out, and it is Skate Four basically. Like it isn't, and and that isn't to do it a disservice. It is it is trying to be this. It has the same uh, dual stick. Your left your left stick controls your left foot. Your right stick controls your right foot. R one R R one L one. They'll control like grabs and stuff like that. And and you know you got your uh, um, you got your actual board turning on L two R two stuff that like that it is to to actually to to explain it to somebody who's not played skate before the reason that people get excited about the skate games is because the entire world and everything in it is open to you from the very beginning as soon as you're dropped in them and that's exactly the same with skater excel your ability to play that game is entirely driven by your skill ingenuity and creativity it's not about leveling up your character it's not about like um unlocking stuff it's just if you can see it and you think you can trick on it then you can like as long as you can get to it right and skater xl like takes that philosophy and just runs with it and it's been in early access for a really long time so yeah i mean like i've been playing it for six months now and i was late to the party for the early access version and it's had this really slow development uh, cycle where it seems like it was a really small team because they were the folks that did a game i believe it was called skater and that was on mobile i reviewed that back in the day when i was a when a, a, a mobile games journey and that was very good and then they went on I think and decided to go ahead and do this this Skater XL which is a, a full-fledged thing um, and the early access one is like has been a very bare environment just the physics just the just the just the ability to do flip tricks by you know holding the right stick down then flicking it up uh, to do a uh, to do an, uh, an ollie for example um, and then uh, by adding in different combinations of the left and right stick you then start to uh, tweak that out into heel flips and kick flips if you uh move the right stick to the side uh, like down and right you'll do a pop shove it because you're pushing your board out so all of these things for sort of non-skaters people who aren't really au fait with all this stuff these are like a single button press in tony hawks like you just press the button and you do the thing with this like if you want to do a a bit where you skate along and then you jump up and then you slide with your board down a, a metal rail um, and then you spin your board around and land it again. Yeah, it's called a grind. Uh, and then you spin your board out at the end and then you land and then you keep going in the same direction without falling off. In Tony Hawk's, that's like three buttons. In the in Skater XL, that is a very complicated set of inputs which be starts to become second nature. And like... That might sound like, oh, like there's surely the abstraction is better because you're able to do the thing more easily. And actually, the answer is no. It's actually much more impressive. So I'm on, I'm on when I'm on, I'm actually on uh, the the Skater XL Reddit, and like just you just watch these videos and you see these tricks of people. And again, in Tony Hawk's, it'd be like, well, who cares? But in Skater uh, in Skater XL, you're watching this stuff and you're like, this is incredible. Like this is an incredible achievement to just get to this rail or 
to to go down this line is so thoughtful. I'd never thought of using the space in this way. And just like Skate, and I think this tells you a lot about about my feelings towards it, just like Skate, it buries itself into your mind to Mm -hmm. the point of if you are walking down the street or you are in a different space, you look at a, a handrail and you go, grind that. You're actually thinking about the space a lot more. Um, it, it's it's just absolutely phenomenal. It's been in, an incredible early access. Like uh, as it's moved on, and you've seen like more environments, more spaces, more things to do, more more flexibility with 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 how you use the board because it's a a comprehensive physics simulation. They've actually added abilities to do tricks that technically don't exist in the game, but are are in there. Right, so. Uh, one of the things is that you can, it's very, very smart. It's always cool when you can see this. Let's say, for example, you've got a handrail. You can skate towards the handrail, jump up, kick the board from underneath you, and, and, and you know, Ollie, it's called. And, um, and you can move your feet and hold them in the position so that the feet are higher than the rail, but the board is lower than the rail. And so you, your body passes above the rail, the board goes underneath it, and then you reconnect your feet to the board as you as you as you passed it like that isn't a built-in trick it's just the physics engine is doing its thing it is absolutely phenomenal it reminds me a lot from hearing you talk about it and from the reviews i've seen of it like a guitar hero's type aesthetic where all the notes are there but that combination of notes the environment is the complexity of songs Mm. and it's about getting that rhythm to to kind of play that music really as you're as you're kind of skating really and what 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 the skate parks represent is oh i could co- i can compose something out of that you know mm. i can play yeah this. that's it yeah that's it like i would say if you if you're if you're a fan of like the guitar hero thing this is actually much closer to something called rocksmith like rocksmith is like you are literally plugging it into a real guitar and you are going to try and follow the thing on the screen right this is that this is like this is getting incredibly close to, you know, um, to actual like having to think about how you move through this space. As I say, like I've been, I've been playing it since the, since through about halfway through the early access. Uh, you know, I've been dipping in for, for you know, hours at a time, and it gives me that same feeling that the first skate gave me, uh, the first skates demo gave me of. I could skate here forever in this tiny little confined space. I could skate this for hours and hours and hours because I can just come up with new stuff. I can just think, oh, what if I forward flipped here? What if I, what if I did a a, a hard flip here rather than a I don't know like a a nolly pop shove it like like all of this sort of stuff, right? The the game's coming out soon. It's uh, on. Uh, I mean, it's already out. You can get it buy it on PC now. But the actual 1.0 release is a, is coming out real soon, and that is coming out on consoles as well, day and date, and. I cannot wait because basically that is going to be my new audiobook game. That is going to be my new zone out. Mm-hmm. Just go and skate around the this you know area and figure out some cool new things. There's no pressure. There's no challenges. There's no timers. There's no nothing. Like it's just go and be creative in this in this space that we've made for you. And Pete, have you ever skated in real life? I have skateboarded. I have rollerbladed. I have BMXed. I've tried snowboarding. Oh yes, I remember that. Yeah, I've tried all those things. Which one do you think I was the best at? Oh, I think right your your past history in terms of like the time what you ran. You mean sprinted, Sam? 
Yeah, it's sprinted. Sorry. I think that rollerblading's off the cards. I think your general level of coordination means skateboarding's off the card. And I, I think, I think well. to be fair, there's only one of those which isn't heavily reliant on excellent balance. Yeah, BMXing. Yeah, yeah. that's what I would say. Really? Yeah. No, I, I, I was... Um, uh, I was definitely way better at rollerblading. Like I was actually all right at it. Like, oh, yeah. like to the point of like he was cast in Starlight Express. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I want to be a train. Um, yeah, I uh, no, I, I used to love that stuff. And in fact, you know, like so, basically, I've got my fingers crossed for a new uh, a reboot of rolling. Like as or aggressive inline. Either of those video game gods, <laughs> please. Uh, that'd be nice. Um, what are the terrors upon 2020 will oh, Pete bring by it, it, on, wanting inline skating back in the video if game? I, it, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If I were to get a new rolling and a new Dave Mirror BMX, I would also be buying a bunker. <laughs> I just love that idea that we can rewrite the Greek myth. So when Pandora opens the box and all the Furies come out, they're ne- actually named after different extreme sports video games. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i went away for a few days uh on a on a yurting holiday um so i put partook in some alcoholic beverages none of none of your beers none of that i stuck with my gins uh Mm -hmm. a nice gin and tonic uh in the sunshine sat outside uh outdoor barbecue fire pits outdoor pizza oven oh delightful does it does it feel good to um because obviously we're getting to the point now and this will be a matter of historical record we're getting to the point now where uh where you know things are starting to open up a little bit more again and you know you're able to go and out and do things and stuff like that like do, you, do is it is it quite liberating is it you know going out and do it, going in being in a space that isn't isn't yours like how how do you feel about it like because you know obviously not you you know you have normal life like outside of what's going on at the moment you have normal life and then you you work and work and play and play and work and work and play and play and then like you go on holiday and it's lovely whereas in this situation it kind of feels like maybe it's a bit more maybe it's a bit more it's it's an interesting because for me i've uh, throughout the kind of the entire lockdown process because my wife is pregnant she's kind of stayed she's not really been able to go out and do a lot of stuff so she's had saying so i've had to do everything that needs going out all the shopping everything like that i've had to go out so i've actually gone out quite a lot so i haven't felt that sense of kind of containment that a lot of people have but also this going on holiday i went with some family with the appropriate kind of family groups and stuff like that but the way it was there was a number of a number of yurts but they're all in like one big field and we had it to ourselves so it was actually we were still separate from everyone it was just like us it was it was absolutely lovely because got kids there running around and everyone just there playing games just basically sitting in the sunshine but in just a big quiet field surrounded by sheep so there was no kind of sense of being around people like like if i if you go somewhere else go go to a town or anything like that it was very much you drive to this place and then there's no one else there you you kind of see the owners every now and again so i didn't get a sense of that of it being massively different it was kind of like a covid lockdown holiday kind of thing because you're in that a strange environment for a holiday where you're just on your own in a field for a, mm. as, as lovely as it is and chris i know you've been yurting in the past it's it's, it. it's the way to camp it really is outdoor um, shower Ooh. oh no we had indoor showers we had indoor toilets we had a kitchen i mean i had an indoor toilet i just put that out there yeah I mean... <laughs> <laughs> the shower and the toilet weren't one of the same 
I saw that you made a pizza in a pizza oven. I did, yeah. So that they they the 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 kind of the the property that owns it, they do they offer like a pizza night if you if you want it. So they will bring down all the ingredients for you, like all the ready made dough and stuff like that. So then what you do is you just stretch out the dough, you make up your own pizza. They, I'd say they give you all that, they give you the sauce, they give you the cheese, everything like that. So you make the pizza as you want it, and then you just slide it into the pizza oven. They tell you how to how to kind of heat it because you've got to start heating up the pizza in like three or four hours in advance to get it to the right kind of temperature so you do all that and they explain to you how to do it and then they just leave it leave you to it and you kind of make it yourself and the i think they give like you can depending on what you pay for they get like 10 different pizzas and stuff like that they're not massive pizzas but when you've got a group of people you just put in loads of different toppings on loads of different, it's absolutely delightful and delicious may i say as well because pizza is like my number one so i was very very happy we're aware of your pizza-related activities. Yeah. I mean, you say like that, it sounds a bit sinister. We're watching you. You'll be pleased to know, gents, I spoke in the last episode about my wonderful local board game cafe, which will be opening soon. Oh, good. I know, which is great. But I also got a text the other day from my local comic book shop saying, Chris, we're back in oh. business and I have two great. copies of Undiscovered Country waiting for you. Uh, oh my by God. Scott Snyder and I went in there the other day and yes it, yeah, things are uh, slowly returning back to normal and I, I've, I've been in that kind of comic mood, I've been really slightly craving that and I've resisted the temptation to order them in or kind of read them online per se because I've been waiting for my comic emporium to be open however um, I've been very lucky enough to be um, sent a review copy um, for uh, an anthology, uh, a compendium of uh, comics that is coming out in August 2020 and you can actually pre-order it on Comixology and that is Descent into Dread Volume 1. Now Dan, if you hear those words Descent into Dread, what are you thinking? What are you thinking right off the bat? What kind of a comic book do you think this is? Uh, I'm I'm not gonna go with like light and frothy. Uh, I don't think that's, I don't think I'm going to it for a uh, light, uh, pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be dark and perhaps uh, scary. Uh, lots of dark colours, lots of reds. Lots of dark reds and blacks in there, I think. Well, you're half right. It's in black and white. So, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but The cover's red. Yeah. Yes, it's it's. And this comes from uh, the writing team uh, Dalton Shannon and Wells Thompson of Four Color Comics, and this volume is published by um, Caliber Comics. And you remember when you were at school? I don't know if this ever happened to you, but there was a mate of mine at school called Ben Hodgkins, and I'd sit next to him on the bus every day. Incidentally, now he's my my parents' postman. Actually, not just my parents, but the area. <laughs> I was going to say, your parents like, <laughs> like I just imagine your parents are like. In the mansion, like, oh, I'm sent to the postman. But, like, sometimes on our school bus journeys in the morning, when we're sat on the front row, um, sat behind our very angry bus driver, he would, like, we'd, we'd kind of swap those kind of very short horror stories that have that little bit of a twist ending. Do you remember, do you ever have any of those that did the rounds at school that were kind of like urban legends? And and I love those kind of twist endings. And as a child, and like far too young than I should have been, I was watching shows like The Outer Limits. Um, oh yeah, yeah, The Outer Limits is fantastic. Um, the Twilight Zone, yeah, um, or even things like um, The Treehouse of Horror and The Simpsons, where you get those short little snippets, and it becomes like an anthology episode. But they've always got that slightly horrific, gruesome twist. And I really do mm. quite like that because um, the horror is quite 
con- concise it gets to the point and there's something i find quite elegant about being able to have that 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 kind of narrative structure in a very compressed manner and mm-hmm. and what me what, what's great about this particular anthology is that you've got 12 stories that are each like a few pages long a range of different very talented artists and there's there's something for everyone here and they have that kind of nice kind of horror twist and they're they're horror stories that are spiced with other genres so there'll be like a sci-fi horror there'll be like a teen horror slasher horror this kind of thing or just like a monster movie kind of genre and um, maybe this isn't the right time for me to be reading this now maybe this is something that i'd kind of like <laughs> read more in like october time winter when the uh the spookier months yeah yeah exactly when the day daylight is shorter say for example but it's been really lovely to just dip into a story and leave it there for a few pages mm. and then kind of revisit it later and you know it's over 100 pages long and would you say it's similar kind of to like a, a comic book version of like a black mirror type thing where you have certain genres but there is a horrific kind of slant to it so you have a sci-fi or you have a fantasy uh genre but there is that kind of grotesque or horrific element to which kind of just 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 tweaks the whole thing around a little bit yeah it's it's yeah exactly and actually if you on the um the pre-order page they actually do use black mirror as an example in that regard actually in terms of what they're in terms of comparisons and yeah this does some quite interesting things actually where every time you think you've got a clear sense of what the narrative is doing it will subvert your expectations which is really lovely and there's the kind of sci-fi horror which feels a bit like event horizon you know the fingerprints there there's the one that's the final scream that feels a bit like cabin in the woods and you know in the way that film kind of pokes fun of that particular genre trope uh, of of the kind of teen horror Um, you've got lots of that happening here and it's done in such a wonderful concise way Um, some of the artwork's fantastic here Mm, just, yeah, is, just yeah. a shout out to um Kath Lobo and her art in the the, the the story Rubbing Elbows. It reminded me a lot of Francis Manipal Sam um from The Flash from the New Fifty Two that we both like. And yep. and also um Mr. Fishley, the artist, um reminded me a lot of the art from of Jonathan Cases. I don't know if you've ever read the image comic graphic novel, sorry, Green River Killer, which is a kind of again, a kind of a black and white graphic novel of a real life uh, detectives tracking down of this notorious serial killer and it's his son who writes the graphic novel based on his father's account it's a very interesting book I actually fun fact i read it from cover to cover in, in amsterdam airport um in the shop while i was waiting for my flight uh, don't <laughs> do that they were pleased with that yeah oh god but Band like, for life but like my favorite one is uh chasing the sun which is um the drawn by mary lando just gorgeous artwork and and it, and just the mythos of that story does that wonderful thing where like in six pages you feel like you've kind of engaged in this this larger story this incredible mythos that's just there beneath the surface a bit like has anyone read that book by Italo Calvino Invisible Cities it's a great book if you're ever too busy and you think I can't commit to a book and um, pick up Invisible Cities because it's um, um, a story of when Marco Polo it was in front of the emperor Kublai Khan and he has to recount his Marco Polo he has to recount his exploits and he talks about all the cities he's visited around the world and they're fictional cities but they're kind of slightly based on real life and you every city has its about a page and a half of text but in that one page and a half you've got what feels to be an entire novel an entire world there 
it's it's just a gift and you feel like you've had this really incomplete experience in just a few pages and in particularly in this one of these last stories um in this book chasing the sun you get that here another one feels a bit like um hellboy i don't know if any of you've read mike mcnola's hellboy but again that beautiful kind of stark use of black almost like it has a black backdrop and everything else is colored in in like white or color and but that but my favorite hellboy stories were those short little vignettes which were like cautionary tales and that's what this is really is a series of nice interesting cautionary tales that really showcase a wonderful range of artists and some really really interesting writing from dalton shannon and wells thompson a particular shout out strange coincidence one of the artists in this um book is um leonardo marcello grassi who actually ironically was one of the artists yeah. on undiscovered country that is i picked up from my local comic book seller so it kind of all goes full circle really mm-hmm. Um, but it all comes back around. But um, it, so you can now go online to Comicsology and pre-order a PDF, which is how I read it, and it was lovely on my tablet. And I recommend you do so. Really, it's you may think actually now in the current climate, I don't want to engage in anything horrific. But I say actually, this is quite nice. This won't remind you of the real world. This will t- it'll allow you to escape, but feel that wonderful, pleasing sensation of having your spine tingled. Hmm. Yeah, and and I appreciate anything that gives you like a chance to dip in and out. Like, um, I'm one of these people who, when they start reading, I need to get to the end of a chapter, otherwise, I can't put the book down. Yeah. Like, I I saw something the other day, and it was just like, oh, advice on how to like get better reading, and one of it was just like read for thirty minutes, no matter where you start or where you stop. Just read for 30 minutes every day. And I was like, nope, can't do that because I'm stopping at a chapter. <laughs> and I'm reading a Dan Brown book. Yeah. And a chapter is like 50 words. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I, I really appreciate that kind of feeling of picking up something and having that complete experience all in one, especially when it comes to comic books. So it reminds you how they did the Thousand Comics issues of Action Comics and detective comics uh where it was like loads of different artists and writers who'd had history with both of these characters superman and batman coming and doing like an anthology style thing for for this celebration for their thousand issues so yeah it's it's i'm 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 really interested with this and especially comics horror i really really like and I think that there'll be some stories that you might bounce off, but there will always be something that you will like because it, it really does do some really interesting things with the horror genre. So, like, if there's subgenres of horror that you like, you'll you'll be covered here completely. As we've sort of been getting used to, like, seeing people again, mm. um, I'm slowly having to, like, sort of put part of my board game collection away because anyone who's been to my house will know that I have one, two, three, four, Four, five, six. I have six uh, drop zones, hot points of board games around my house. Right. And each of those drop zones and hot spots caters for a different need, different requirement. Uh, in the room that I'm currently in now, there's a there's a there's a hot zone in the bottom left hand corner that is for um, some big group games, so like Taverns and Tirth and Four, right. Dixit, Captain Sonar, Mysterium, all live in that big box down there upstairs i have a cupboard which is a hot zone for sort of bigger games but we kind of don't get them to the table as often as i would like to so like blood bowls up there great western trail king of tokyo 
just like stuff that I like, but it's, you know, it's not hot property at the moment. And then the sort of like erogenous zones <laughs> of my board game collection. Uh, right. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm going to uh, think the- twice next time you say go, go and grab us a board game. <laughs> Go and grab as a board game. Uh, the two chests of drawers. I've got two chests of drawers, and they're like full to the brim of like my quick, like easy to play, like card games, like the Mind Illusion, yeah. uh, Monikers. There's like several packs of decks of cards in there. Uh, Go Cuckoo. Uh, also, like most of the party games live in there as well, because that's like kind of the hot party action. And then also, I have. A special place which is just for my two-player games so i have a, a special place dedicated to nothing but two-player games that sort of me and my wife like exclusively play and there's two reasons why i have quite a big two-player game collection first of all is that like you've got a gaming um, problem i've got a gaming problem okay so three reasons <gasps> i've got a gaming problem second of all like obviously other than chris pete and dan it's a lot more difficult to like see you guys so um most of my gaming is done with very small numbers and um the third reason is that when i was first like building my game collection which is only like over the last couple of years part of me was like i can either like buy a lot of experiences that require a lot of people or i can try and like focus in on one specific area of the genre and try to like find the best of it or at least explore it before i start like getting into like deeper waters into like more treacherous territory if you can if you see what i mean so like the two-player scene as it was seemed like to be like the most comfortable place to explore because my wife's always here she enjoys playing games as much as i do so i was like well there's a captive audience i can start exploring the space with her and i don't have to wait for loads of people to be around to play these games i'm buying so once i started like exploring that space one one company kind of like came to the fore for me and we speak about them a lot but that's just generally because they make some games that we a lot of they make a lot of games that we tend to really enjoy and that's cosmos Mm -hmm. because they have a whole like two player basically series like a whole like you know part of their catalog is dedicated to these two player games Mm. and i just started I'd started getting them. Lost Cities was the um, classic. Was the first one I played, and I know me, me and Chris, we've we've played that a lot, and that's this lovely little, like set building game, but also that it's a wonderful like part of risk and reward to the experience where you're each going on these little like expeditions to these far flung places across the across the globe, and it's wonderfully evocative, and and that like is one of my my most like battered and like most played games that i own like the cards are pretty much all frayed at the edges the board doesn't really settle down any point and they've come out with like a a new version of it since and i and i've been tempted to buy it but part of me likes likes having this like old and battered version of this game that we really love and then after lost cities um of course we've we've spoken before about imhotep the jewel as one of the cosmos games um on the podcast uh, recently we were lucky enough they sent us a copy of kahuna to play which is a, a super interesting two-player game it's, it's, it's wildly popular and again like most of their two-player output it's exceptionally simple there's this little archipelago and everyone has this little collection of wooden 
of sticks which represent bridges. They're a little like the wooden bits you get in Catan for roads, but they're bridges. And you play down a card, and depending on what card you pick, it'll have a certain island on it, and then you can put a bridge either from that island to another island, or from another island as long as it connects to the island that you've got on your card, if that makes sense. If you've got the majority of bridges on that island around it, you now control it. So you can then put your little piece down and there's this wonderful back and forth tug of war that Kahuna has because you can also destroy bridges, which means that you can go from like having ownership of like four or five islands to within a couple of turns, like completely be diminishing down to like one or two. And I think Kahuna actually, I spent a lot of time playing it with Richard from the We're Not Wizards podcast. And <laughs> like we both really, really enjoyed it. And it's definitely one of those two player games that the more you play it with the same person, the better it will get in terms of like being able to learn the intricacies and the like the nuances behind it. Because it has that it has a problem which quite a lot of two player games has, which is if one player knows it really, really well, they'll always just wipe the floor with you. And Kahuna's kind of frustrating in a way because it's played over three rounds and by like halfway through the second round you'll know whether you're going to be winning or losing so even even though like it's a game that i think me and my wife really enjoy playing i think it's definitely one of those ones where like if this is like your first two-player game experience like lost cities is definitely where to start and then moving on to like kahuna and then finishing off with and this is what this sort of like long spiel is all been about which is like what i think is like the ultimate two-player game not even from cosmos but just like generally like available if you want a two-player game to play with your loved one and you're a fan of the hobby then targi is like the one it is absolutely superb and it is a two-player game that manages to achieve the feeling of playing a big sort of like four-player complex gaming experience like the feeling of playing like brew crafters or spirit island or like great western trail or brass birmingham or roots like those like games that you feel like you can only really get the best out of when you've got tons of people around the table there's complex crunchy experiences like it manages to do all that with just two players and it is exceptional like we love it each game takes about an hour and a half to play because you know you you really are like crunching through and making decisions but it's just a simple worker placement you have this board which is made up of these cards so you have the same border cards that make up the border of the board every game and then in the middle you have a, like a random assortment of cards that fill up the space and on your turn you have these three little figures and you put one of your figures on the outside of the board somewhere and that will get you a certain resource or it'll get you a certain ability or something like that. But once everyone's p- placed their three figures down, you imagine a line going from where your figure is, like straight across the board, either horizontally or vertically. And wherever those lines of your figures intersect will then allow you to pick up that card from the middle of the board space that you're playing with. And that card in the middle are important because there are either other resources and items that you can pick up uh, like dates and salt and pepper but they're also like cards that will represent victory points for the end of the game so the the lovely thing that targi does is like every single turn is this worker placement game where you're just putting figurines down 
but you're always having this duality of thought where do you go for the resources you need by placing them on the outside of the board or do you play a more of a cunning game this turn to get to make sure you get the card you want from the center of the board because if you don't plot out where you wanted to put stuff on the outside you'll easily miss getting the things from you want from the center of the board because the playing space is is so small and with the two of you playing you occupy basically all spaces by the end of a turn and you know you can easily miss out on what on what you want right quite a lot of the turns as someone puts down something and just like i knew you were gonna like you were that's exactly what i wanted and even though that's genuinely like the thing i look to avoid in a worker placement game i think because this is only two players and when it comes around to the next round you get first pick anyway the choices you make are flexible enough that those kind of things don't frustrate you as a player like if someone does something and it blocks you from doing what you actually wanted that turn it's very easy for them to just like spin around and go well if i can't do that i can easily do x y and z and chris you and i've played yep. it, Targi. and every time every time i play it i just come away from it and i feel like i think i i feel like i've had like a genuine i know this sounds a bit weird but like a genuine like board game experience like i don't feel like something has been reduced down to just a two-player because it was easy it feels like i'm having like and i'm not reducing a four-player game down to two players and limiting the experience i feel like i'm having like a full experience like a full anthology of a of, of a game yeah because essentially it's cards and i've always loved those board games yeah. where the cards are the board and instantaneously yes. it becomes this wonderful modular experience and instantaneously there's that sense of replayability and that grid reference mechanic is something mm -hmm. that targi is famous for and i keep seeing it coming up in people's favorites two-player games um, games to play with two players it keeps coming up and it's been around for a little bit of time now and yeah. i've seen other games do this kind of a good reference thing um you were mentioning um imhotep for example imhotep the jewel on a very micro level has a little bit of a targi element yeah. with that using the grid reference and what i quite like also about targi um like many games of this ilk that even though yes sam may go where i want to go you're always getting something you're never yeah. going away from a go empty-handed like oh i put everything into this and i've come out with nothing and who knows there'll be that one moment where actually that accident can actually be um, quite prosperous for you in the future. And the, the, the possibility of that coming up is what mitigates against that frustration, which is often something prevalent in worker placer games. And I, it, there's just something quite nice about the fact that you have to deal out the board and, and yes. you, can, you can literally pack the board away into a single pile. And the portability of that, I mean, yes, there's lots of other little tiny bits and pieces that you get with it, but the idea that it's something I could just stick in my bag and go traveling with and I could put on the table in, you know, in a caravan somewhere um, or in a yurt is quite lovely, really. <laughs> that and, and it's something substantial. It doesn't feel like one of those flash in the pan kind of yeah. no. double games. And, 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 it's, and it's such a competitive, like, experience, which I think is a thing's... Is, which a thing which i think is a thing that like i don't really feel like i get in lost cities or like kahuna or imitate the jewel because i think all of those games suffer from the same thing where because you're playing such an intimate game with one other person you can very easily tell whether you're on top or you're not and i think it's a bit more overt when 
you're not doing so well or your strategy isn't isn't working whereas whereas Targi is an exceptionally balanced and competitive experience that both every every time that we've played it that I've played it the scores have been like one or two between between the players and it's been broadened out even more recently because they released the expansion which is called Targi the expansion which is very five to five on a Friday Um, (laughs) but luckily it all fits in actually the original box so now I've just got one box which has got everything I need in Mm -hmm. it and that like expands the board out so now you have like sand dunes which if you want to you can place your figure on a sand dune rather than on the border of the board which has a twofold effect first of all because you're not placing your figure on the outside of the board that opens up the possibilities to the other player like they can suddenly like have more freedom to move and get what they want but then it also means it's like you have access to these insane like abilities that really like change how the game is playing and like tweak the rules a lot more um so the the expansion does does again just like exactly what i want from like a big box expansion like i recently got the the rails to the north bolt on for great western trail and like what that does to the game is exactly what targi the expansion does to like the original targi like just adds enough enough of that like depth and and grit and spice to the experience that you as a player especially if you know the game very well it's not like analysis paralysis instead because you've got more decisions to make instead it's asking you as a player to just think more about what you're going to do which i think is a is a slight like tweak and difference in definition but it makes a lot of difference in terms of like it's not just like throwing more mechanics at you and going like wow what do you do now it's going like have you considered this move yeah it's it's really really good and i think if like you don't have a lot of space or like you you know you're not always going to get like a crowd of like three or four people together or if you don't know if you really like those like crunchy nine, 90 minute long board game experiences then you can like do no wrong with like playing targi because it will give you if you, it will give you that experience if it's like pretty much like a, the same size as like a hardback book on on your shelf and it, it's it's genuinely really really good and refreshing and it's like permanently in that two-player little little part of my collection that i have it'll always be there i love it that was another episode of staying in with daniel frost peter willington sam turner and myself chris darby thanks again to dalton and wells for sending us a review copy of volume one of descent into dread you can pre-order this from Comixology at the bargain price of £6.39. Thanks also to Rowan for getting in touch with us via Instagram and recommending the new RPG Alice is Missing, which replaces face-to-face tabletop interaction with text messaging as the platform for the game, which personally for me is a really interesting concept and actually a really novel way of playing an RPG that fits in perfectly into this uh, current lockdown that we find ourselves in. If, like Rowan, you want to say hi at all or ask a question, feel free to contact us. Our email is stayinginpod at gmail.com or alternatively, reach out to us on your favourite social media platform. At stayinginpod has you covered there. Lastly, 
We've been enhancing our page on Spotify and have put together a playlist of music that relates to over 100 episodes of games, films and TV shows that we have discussed. If you search for Staying In, you will find us there. At the moment, we have a special blend of playlists to cater for every listening need. There is Iced Tea for the cool and chilled sounds, Chamomile for the relaxed and meditative, with Sugar for the in-jokes and silliness, and lastly, Extra Strong for the more intense flavours. As per Pete and Sam's recommendation, we've just added a track from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 and Frasher presents Skate and Destroy to the mix. If you have any recommendations at all, please get in touch. Till next time, bye!